We're gonna swim, bike and run In the corner sun We're gonna swim, bike and run In the corner sun 2021 Thank you, Poncho Man. Welcome everybody to Breakfast with Bob. Not quite Kona edition. My name is Bob Babbitt. We are brought to you by Challenge North America. Credo Try. You can Hoka One One Velo Fix Norma Tech Canyon Bikes and of course our Challenge Athletes Foundation, we just sent out 3,038 grants, totaling $5.1 million to keep challenged athletes in the game of life through sport. Our next guest, he has a new book out. Her name is Hella Fredrickson. The book is called The Pursuit of Victory. I read it this week and it is phenomenal. Uh, Hella joins us. Hella, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Bob? Nice to speak with you. I am wonderful. And normally we would have been doing this actually uh, in Kona. It would have been fun to, to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if it will be a Kona this year. We truly hope so. It, it looks much better um, out there in the world with what we're dealing with with the pandemic, I think. So, Hella, when, when you look back at your career going from, you know, Olympian in 2012 and silver medalist and ITU long distance world champs in 17, gold medal in 2018 and you know, 355.50 for the 70.3 distance, 10 times 70.3 champion. You you did it all. When you look back at your career, are you satisfied? Yep, I am super satisfied and I'm super content. And that was also the feeling that I was getting towards the end of my career. And that was also one of the reasons why I decided that I have done it well. I have done it all and I have achieved my dreams. And I really, really feel happy and content. And, and that means that then you're ready to move on. It just felt right. So yes, I am definitely satisfied with my career. Moving on sometimes is tough because you've been a professional and you're, you know, you're in your mid to late thirties and all of a sudden it's like, okay, I've got to start something new. Fortunately, you were involved. Uh, you, you had a profession waiting for you. So did you feel more comfortable the fact that you had your education and were ready to move to another phase of your life? Yeah, I think so. Plus, Ben and I, my husband and I, has been talking about it for, for a couple of years before I eventually retired. Just like putting it into word that there will be a time after the sport and that will be an amazing time too so that you don't only think about yourself as a triathlete. That is the only identity that you have because it is a difficult change in your life. And you have seen many people um, have a very, very tough time when they retire from a professional sport, when that is their life only, right? Um, so yes, I think that of course, due to my, uh, my, my master degree that I have, a lot of other projects that I had going on. So I was actually excited of starting to use my energy experience and knowledge on somewhere else and and also maybe less tired like physically tired where you know you don't have to train 30 hours a week right like you can just go for an hour run and it's all good right it's enough <laughs> <laughs> so when i look at the, the the making the olympic team in 2012 you had spent a number of years and had some 
some you had a bad bike crash was that back in 07 when you had that bike crash that, yeah um, yeah my first world cup in in Lisboa I had a really really ugly bike crash uh, and it shook me a lot um I ended at the hospital you know it was the first world cup and I was just making the front pack on the bike and then suddenly woof and when you're this young, inexperienced girl and just blood coming everywhere, what is this, right? So, yeah. yes, I had some Oakley ones. Uh, I had an Oakley one as well. And when we just got into the um, 2012 Olympic qualification in Madrid, a really Oakley one where I also came down just before T2. Um, so I was unfortunately involved in a lot of bad luck um, that, that put a scar on me, I would say so. I got kind of, uh, yeah, I got afraid uh, of it after I got involved in a lot of crashes. Sure. And, and, and I just wonder if the, the disc injury that seemed to plague you throughout your career, and I'm, I'm yeah. guessing that, that that back injury probably led to what was going on with your leg, getting numb. So do you look yeah. back at that and go, you know what, that you were, you were basically compromised after that accident, really for the rest of your career? Yeah. I was, yeah, I do think back of that. Um, I don't know if it was something that would happen eventually. Like, I don't know if I've not got given the, the strongest body on the planet, but just, uh, you know, a fast and a, a fast body and a, and a really hard will uh, to succeed. Um, but maybe like structural, I'm maybe not the strongest. I don't know. But yes, definitely uh, my herniated disc has been causing me problems more or less my whole career um it came in waves um and still the day to day i have problems with it so it's there and it would guess it would always kind of be with me but i can still um, be active and love training and i mean to achieve what i achieved with a bag like that is is pretty good it, it's pretty amazing and what, what hit me in the book, and I'm, I'm sure it was difficult for you to look back because there were so many highs and lows where you would win a great race and then you'd be injured and then you'd have to build back up. But one of the yeah. things that hit me was you were, because of your background, uh, that you understood the body so well, you found yeah. professionals to help you out to yeah. keep your body in check. And it, it was yeah. fascinating to me that when you traveled, sometimes you'd have you know, you'd have a therapist with you. You might have both. You might be figuring out where you're going to live so you could have both those guys available to work on you. Yeah. Just yeah. Th that's a major commitment, not just the training, but constantly going through therapy. Absolutely. Yeah. We always planned it quite thoroughly in terms of my therapist, because we knew that if I was in one piece and if I was healthy, I was racing well, like I was, I was almost always racing well when I have trained well and I was happy and healthy. Um, so that was basically the only thing we needed to make me stay healthy, right? Uh, so I think that we were probably some of the first ones to kind of go the more professional way in terms of saying, okay, this uh, sport, it's a, you need to invest to, to get you know reach high levels mm -hmm. you can't just you know go as you did in the beginning and take care of everything yourself and carry everything to a race and be completely wasted before you get there you need to invest in, in people that's going to help you out and so that you can focus on training and racing and becoming the best you can be so i think that 
we see that more and more today now that people are investing in those things and it's great to see the sport is getting more professional so we definitely uh yeah included that very early on in my career and coming off the olympics uh you know because that was obviously the goal from a little girl right you always wanted yeah. to be you always wanted to be an olympic athlete so 2012 you get 27th the olympics and the thought would be okay i had my first olympic experience now i'm going to gear up for 2016 in rio and yeah. i'm going to go get that podium or that gold medal and but mm -hmm. you went a different direction was that a hard decision yeah yes and no i mean i felt like after london olympics i wanted to go for rio that was kind of like okay that's what we're gonna do but when i got to uh, 13 and i went on a training camp in the us with joe filial that was my coach at the at that point it was kind of like being over there in the States and it was like the sky is the limit. And, you know, I started to feel the non-draft scene. What is this? Could I be good at this? You know, you're starting to get, hmm, that's exciting. That's interesting. It's something that I don't know about. It's a new territory. I can always, you know, 2013 was a fine year to test things out yep. because the qualification doesn't start before 14, always two years before the Olympics. So I had this 13 year as a test year. And um, that was just doing Olympic distance non-draft and then a few half distance or 70.3 non-draft. And I was just winning and winning and winning like from the get-go. <laughs> it was amazing. Well, that's where I think we met you in 2014. I mean, you were at the top of the totem pole, right? You, you had won the high V race with a $100,000 prize purse in the greatest field. Uh, you could yeah. look at that field and say yeah. this is like this is at least equivalent to the olympics because you have people yeah. from different distances when there's a hundred thousand for first everybody's there and, yeah and then you, we met you in bahrain and that was another hundred thousand dollar prize purse yeah, and then uh, you it, win that so all of a sudden i'm guessing the olympics sort of went in the back background and it was i'm going to stay with this Absolutely. Yeah. I felt that I, I felt that I have found the, the shelf that I should be on. I felt that, you know, non-draft racing was good for my physique. That was where I could accelerate. Like also, like we found out that all the accelerations in short distance racing, uh, draft legal was hurting me a lot. And I often, I would not be able to bounce back that well if you had a lot of acceleration within a race, whereas like non-draft, you ride steady and hard and I could ride, you know, just at the red zone for so long and, but still run amazingly off the bike. So we really found that this was where I was accelerating. And I, I love the fact also on half distance that you, because I was fast, that half distance was starting to become very fast as well. And you could stay fast, right? That us short distance came up to half distance and then suddenly stuff was happening on the half distance too, which was amazing, right? You had to be a good swimmer to be a part of the race suddenly, right? And back in the days, you did not have to, you could make your way up and stuff was happening there um, in like, yeah, 2011, 12, 13, 14, I would say. That was the time, yeah. Because we also have that Lifetime Fitness Series uh, yeah. throughout the country, which was non-draft Olympic, which is yeah. such a good transition for you coming mm. from non-draft, from draft legal, Olympic to non-draft exactly. and then that was a nice stepping stone to 70.3. Yeah, exactly. I love those races and I love the combination to do a non-draft Olympic distance and then a half Ironman distance. That was just 
it just kept me sharp and fast. And it was like when you got to a, a half Ironman, it was like you just raced it like an Olympic distance and you would see what happened. And often it went well. Like, I mean, I was very gutsy. I just went for it. Well, do you think it's tougher now? Because at least there was that transition. We had a series of non-draft Olympics. Now somebody comes off the Olympic, chasing the Olympics, and they go, their only option is to double what they're doing, yeah. right? Yeah. Is, you think that makes it harder for people? Yeah, also because it's a, it's a different energy system kind of you use when it is that it's, it's non-draft. This is just different than draft, right? So to, to suddenly go from draft legal Olympic distance to non-draft double distance, uh, it is a big, big jump. So I do think that you also see that the girls that's trying now, uh, coming from, from ITU racing, they're trying to get up to half Ironman and, and they're doing well on the, on, on the swim and they're there. And then halfway through the bike, it's like, ooh, they can't keep that momentum going because the girls are riding hard. If you are a specialist on a half Ironman, it's, you're riding it hard and then you're also running well off that bike. So you see that now we have the specialist on half, uh, half Ironman and I feel like that kind of started to come around 13 and 14 where I was also accelerating. I definitely felt that that was where I belonged and, and we were getting, you know, specialists on the distance. So yes, absolutely. I think it's harder and it's such a shame. We don't have life fitness and lifetime fitness anymore. Or lifetime, lifetime series. Oh, it was an amazing series. I loved it. It really was. And, and you yeah. became like really good friends with Alicia through that, right? Alicia, yeah. Gage, you guys were living in Claremont. And so that's the other thing I think with the Olympic format and the, the draft legal, I think it's harder to be friends with people because I don't think, you know, you, it, because there's so many tactics that go on. I think when you yeah. get to 70.3 in Ironman, you can train with people who you're going to race against because who's ever going to be better on that day is going to be better on that day. And, and it really shouldn't compromise your ability to have friends. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think for, for Alicia and I, it was definitely like, I knew that, you know, if I trained with her um, day in and day out and I could, could beat her or she could beat me I knew that I always got the hardest competition out there and we would always pick each other up when we were weak or, or the opposite way around and I think uh, it just made us so good and when you know you're starting on the start line standing on the start line is to let the best girl win and after that you know you get a hug and you go out for dinner <laughs> um, Exactly. That was just how it was, really. And it was so simple and it was just so amazing. So if you are not too proud to help each other out, you can actually lift each other instead of taking each other down. Um, and I think like non-draft racing, if you are open um, to, to training with other people, you can really benefit it from it a lot yourself. Where I think like ITU racing, they are coming in, in big groups or big teams coming in. And then I think they're staying together as a country and yeah. not open so much out like we are in non-draft. We're coming often alone, maybe with your, our physio and, and our husband or something like that. And then we're way more open for other people and interacting. And I love that about the sport. Absolutely. Plus in non-draft racing, we are together with the eight scubas, which is so amazing, I think. Was there one race that you had where you felt, okay, now I, I can... I belong, I can race with the very best. So maybe you didn't even win, but it was a race that told you I can, I belong and I can race with the very best. And I made the right choice to be a professional triathlete. <laughs> I think um, 
I will say like probably my my first 70.3 um I'm on 70.3 when I won in Puerto Rico in March yeah. of 13 it really showed me that it was the right move for me to go long distance it was the right move for me to move to the state and leave the Danish Federation um, I started really to believe in myself now that I was trying, we were starting to find the recipe that worked for me. And it was, has always been going my own way. I've always done things differently, but that worked for me and it gave me a lot of confidence. And I think that also showed throughout 13 and 14. And, and when in Bahrain, I went 355, um, it was such a fantastic day. It was such a rush. I still get a rush every time I see that race because I just had a perfect day and you don't get many of them in your career. Absolutely. There was a lot of races that you went into not really knowing if your body was going to make it right. There was times you felt like you needed to race, but you were dealing with your leg or you're dealing with back or you're dealing with, with, with calf issue. You, you, you had a, a myriad yeah. of issues. Yeah. Was there a time you surprised yourself where you went into the race going, I don't, Ben, I don't know if I can finish this one because my body's pretty messed up and you ended up having a great day. Um, I had a, I had a period of, of um, a period out of racing for like, yeah, it was actually in 13 um, where I came back again to the States and we just wanted to go over and I, I needed to get back racing and I hadn't really been training hard or whatever. And we went over to the States again, just to jump into, um, it was actually when we had the Revolution 3 series. Yes, Rev 3, yes. Yeah, I jumped, jumped into a, a race there and was second in a, in a really good field. That surprised me um, that I could actually do that on top of an injury and not much training. And then again, it kind of built on my confidence. Okay, you can kind of race yourself fit now. And then I, it started to roll again and I was doing really, really well and ended my stint of three months in the u.s by winning um miami 70.3 miami in like four hours and two or something like really yeah. fast yeah where where i remember that ben had was communicating with joel filials should i just tell her to run a little faster so she gets under four hours and joel was just communicating back to ben no 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 just tell her to <laughs> relax she's <laughs> you don't need to get too eager now that is funny yeah. Um, your Ironman experience at Arizona, I think that was your debut Ironman. And yeah. I don't, I don't think you thought you were having a good day, but it, you set a Danish record. You went what, 855, you're the first woman to go uh, sub nine for yeah, uh, 853, I think. What is it? 853? Uh, Might be. Might anyways, be. yeah. Doesn't uh, matter. <laughs> 855, 35. Oh, you plan. have it there. Good. <laughs> See, Bob, <laughs> we're getting so, old. Uh, but getting say, I mean, you were running along thinking you were having a crappy day. Yeah. yeah you absolutely. weren't having a good run. Uh, and next thing you know, 8.55. So would you surprise yourself that day? Yeah, I definitely did. Like, I mean, I've looked forward to doing an Ironman. But, you know, as at that point, I, I started by being, in the beginning of 17, I went self-coached together with Ben. Um, yeah. So, you know, when you have to do an Ironman, you're like, okay, you probably need to do everything you can. So I was just doing mileage and I was doing intensity. I went on a training camp with myself in Mallorca and absolutely just buried myself. And you know, all that, it is supposed to be hard. You're supposed to be tired. It's supposed to be hard to walk upstairs, everything. And that was how I thought, right? right? And then I went to the States and I got bronchitis, of course. 
uh, in the plane. <laughs> of course, you pick up something when you've trained yeah. this hard. I kept training and I went to a doctor in Claremont. She said, oh, you sh- probably should not go and, and race. I give you this prescription on um, antibiotics. And I was like, oh, I'm not, I can't take antibiotics. Can't take anything, I'm, going right? to, I'm going to do an Ironman in a week. Yeah. So I went to Isona, <laughs> kind of overcooked, semi-ill. Um, so from the gone went, it was uphill the whole day. Uh, it was really like, you know, just tired. You know, you have that feeling of lactic in your whole body that yeah. you just have a certain limit you can go to and there's just nothing more because you still have so much fatigue you couldn't get rid of. So um, that I went this fast, um, for me, first time doing an Ironman, it feels like you're absolutely walking that marathon. Yeah. Um, when, you're, when you're used to running fast, it, this feels like a slog. <laughs> completely <laughs> but uh, so yes it was definitely a surprise and uh, it made me hungry you know wow what can this become right this is you know i felt so overcooked and i raced so well yeah uh, and then so you came to Kona in 2018 and you were 16th and you know it was not the day you wanted right no. for your one time racing Kona but what what were your just the fact that you were that that the Olympic stage is one thing and the Ironman world championship is, is, is our sort of our Olympics. Well, yeah. just being in that race, was that still pretty fun? Oh, it was amazing. I was happy. I went, I was so happy we, we took the decision to go because when it was that I injured my foot so close to the race, I'm just, I'm not going, I'm absolutely not going, you know, I'm going to disappoint myself, my, my sponsors, everyone. But where Ben, he kind of switched my head and said, okay, what do you have to lose? You are a rookie. You will learn so much getting to the big island. He's been there many times before yeah. um, racing and his dad has been racing. He's been there for work. And to get there and experience that too and being there on the island, um, I would love to go over again um, as a spectator, as a coach. Um, it was amazing. It's such a unique place, really unique place. And I'm so happy I got through that race. It is so important to finish that race and respect that race around this iconic race is, is something magical that is special, very special, regardless of the result. It was interesting because obviously as a pro, a lot of pros would be like, well, gosh, I'm not having a good day. I'll just bag it. And then I'll go to Arizona. It's coming up in a few, you know, or Florida. Mm, I'll, do, mm. I'll save it. And I think there was a point where you were at the top of Polani. And you were heading out on the lava fields and Ben was like, <laughs> I don't think you were very thinking, why am I even doing this? And no. Ben was like, you need to get back here, right? You need to go yeah. out to the energy lab, do that and come. I need to see you back here. Yeah. Uh, the, the teamwork between the two of you was, was pretty important. Because yeah, yeah. It was up to you at that point. You might have said, I'm done. And he was like, no, no, you need to go out and come back. And yeah. you're glad you did. Absolutely. I promised him I would come back. It was tough. Like I was running and crying under my glasses at that point. I was really struggling and I was in pain, Uh, but I promised him to come back. And so I would come back. It was not fast, but I came back. (laughs) That's all that matters. So the book, Pursuit of Victory, obviously it's what I loved about it is it, it takes you, it takes the reader deep inside you and the struggles, right? The struggles and the overcoming and the struggles and the overcoming, the relationships, the homestays, the you know, relationship obviously with Ben and your physios, 
what do you want the reader to come away with? Um, I would like that feeling that they can they can feel it's a super, super honest book. They can, regardless if you're an athlete or not an athlete, that you can feel that if you are facing difficulties in life, which we all do, um, it's about looking into yourself and getting, finding tools and finding strength to, to move on. It might take a long time. Um, also showing that the vulnerability of like, we might look like, you know, we are on the top of the podium, we are superstars and superhuman, but in deep down, we are completely normal. We also struggle with a lot of things and, but we get through the other side because we want it. And our why is so deep to get there. My why is so deep and, and it stands so clear for me to get to where I want to get. So I just want to show that we all struggle and I would like people to relate to that struggle we have in life because life is not easy. And if it was, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't an amazing thing, right? And we, we have challenges and we will get through it. So the book is, is out now. And have you been doing some book tours, traveling around, signing books, things like that? Yeah, we did. It was out uh, about, yeah, uh, late, earlier last year. Uh -huh. um, or last year it came out in Denmark where I did a bit as we could with COVID. Right. Uh, we've had to be quite creative as well with online um, book tours. So now, uh, now it's coming out internationally. Um, yeah, probably as we speak, but next week um, it will come out in Europe and US and UK. Um, so it is big. It's really, really big. It's finally out. It's been a long journey. And uh, we have self-published this book, yeah. which has been a humongous challenge. <laughs> um, but it's coming out now and that's, uh, we're pretty proud about that. Was it hard for you to look back? And, and especially when, you're, when you were re, revisiting those tough times? Um, I started writing the book straight after I retired. Um, and it was actually a very good time to process the whole career because it was still standing super clear and it just gave me so much confident that it was the right decision. And it just made me, yeah, get through my career in such a great way. It took me about half a year to write the book. Um, so it was tough in moments. And also sometimes when I was writing, I was like, when does this stop? Like you kind of keep getting running into bad things. Like you have to get a string of good things now. Is this really true? but it's completely true, everything I've written down. And um, yeah, so it was, it was hard, but it was an amazing process to do. I love it. Ellen, thanks so much for taking time. Uh, it was always a pleasure to see you. I remember the first time we met in Bahrain and we were like, oh my God, you think Ellen will talk to us? And you were trying <laughs> to, to spend time talking with us. So I, I really appreciate that. And if you get to the States, if you ever get here, we'll set up some, uh, some tri club meetings and have yes. you chat about uh, chat about your your back and we'll do an interview and and have uh, people pre buy some books. Yeah, I would definitely. So whenever the world opens up, boy, I am flying. <laughs> I love it. Hella Fredrickson has been our guest again. The book is called Pursuit of Victory. Available everywhere. Hella people, uh, Amazon. Yep. And yep, Amazon, my website and my my social media accounts as well. So um, yeah, and you can just go in and buy it and enjoy the reading.
Thank you, Hella. Always a pleasure to chat with you again. Breakfast with Bob, not quite Kona edition. Thanks everybody for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. See ya.